growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey everyone, Dave here on the How We Solve podcast. I'm here with Simon Driscoll, the founder and sole person at UXB Skincare, a business he founded in 2018 with a mission to develop affordable skincare products that really make a difference to customers' skin. Simon, how are you doing? I'm great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I just learned recently that UXB is in Uxbridge. So this is officially an Uxbridge uh, skincare business, correct? Yeah. If you look at uh, how people name their skincare brands, it's normally after a place or after a person. And my name is pretty, uh, it doesn't look good on a bottle. I, I didn't know that. Is that a thing? Uh, do you have any other examples? For, for men's skincare, it's normally a, a name of a, a Victorian gentleman, that imaginary person, or normally female founders like Sunday Riley have their name on a bottle. But with soaps and stuff like that, it's normally kind of think Uxbridge soaps. or So that's where it came from. It's based uh, on the name Uxbridge, which is in Northwest London, and UXB just looks good. It does, yeah. yeah. I like, I like it. Very cool. So, tell us a little bit about how you started UXB skincare. Yeah, I was in a Turkish spa in 2016, and I've been thinking about starting a physical product business for a while, but I wasn't exactly sure what to do. And I, I came out of this spa. I don't know if you know what happens in there, but but they, they rub you down with soaps. They beat you with pillowcases and you come out with this lovely glowing skin because what they've done is they've cleansed you and they've exfoliated you. And then they sell you loads of soap afterwards. And all this soap has natural ingredients that does this and that for your skin, supposedly. So I bought a load of soap and, and it all did what it was supposed to do. And I thought, this is it. This is the thing I've got to develop. I, I came home and signed up for as many courses as I could on how to to make soap. Uh, I was actually taught by an American lady in London how to make soap and then went on to develop all the other kind of skills you need to make creams and shampoos and all that kind of stuff. So that was a kind of two-year process of, of learning how to formulate. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about how soap is made? I have absolutely no idea. You don't need to give away any trade secrets, but just general process. I could talk for hours about how soap <laughs> is made. It's generally skincare. Soap soap is one of the, the oldest um, skincare things. So it's basically oil and an alkali or lye. And you combine the two together and uh, a process called saponification turns the fats into soap. And then you, you can add active ingredients into that soap as well. So it's a very simple process. The alkali you use is quite dangerous, but it, it takes some practice to do it. But yeah, it's the first thing you should learn when making a skincare product. And is this uh, something you do in your bathtub at home? Or I imagine like you have a big spoon <laughs> and it's sort of a witch's brew or is it something yeah. different? I've got to the stage where the batches are too big to do at home. So I do have a, a workshop. You can imagine you've got 20 liters of boiling fat and five liters of uh, very strong alkali solution that you've got to mix together. So there's a lot of personal protective equipment used in soap making as well. But yeah, it's, it's done in a workshop now. Very cool. Okay, you learned a lot on how to make soap. Eventually came up with a product that you felt was up to the standards you were going. How'd you get it out there? The first thing I did was farmers markets and, and fairs. And I 
I wanted to sell face-to-face to start off with just to learn how people reacted to the product and get some feedback. I have a, a bit of a background in digital and online and I did set up a website, but I didn't put any effort. So for the first year, I was selling at, at fairs and, and markets and, and got a lot of feedback and, and changed the product and brought in on new products based on what customers were actually asking for. So that was from like 2018 to 2019. What were some of the things that the customers were saying? For example, the soaps were, the the bars were too big. The first thing I did was deliver the bars in a box, cut into cubes, basically, that kind of thing. And and the first thing you notice when customers come to a stall is they pick something up and they smell it. Based on that, I I went back and and trained in perfumery at a place called Neil's Yard. So I I put a lot more effort into the kind of smell uh, of the product. The product was good, what it did, but it's just, you can sell a product just on its fragrance. That was good. I I learned how to bundle products as well when selling face-to-face and how to put together offers. I don't have a background in business, so I had to learn both the formulating and the business side of, of beauty. Yeah, it's a lot. Is there are there certain smells that are generally accepted as everybody likes them, like lavender or something like that? Yeah, lavender is a bit how we say in the UK, marmitey. So some people like it, some people don't. But generally, anything fruity, orange and lemon, citrusy smells, generically everyone likes. But the other kind of blends that I do are, are more subtle, but you can really change a person's mood just with smell. It's one of the oldest kind of senses that a human has. So it's really important. Interesting. Yeah. So you said you, you know, you've progressed beyond producing it in your own home at this point. How did you go about that? Was it you had to find a production facility? Um... Yeah, we, we still make it vertically integrated, as they say. We still make it ourselves, but we make it in a workshop. It's like a 600 foot workshop. It's still relatively small batches, but it's, it's all made in house. And, and as you scale skincare, if you make it yourself, at a certain point, you do have to decide whether you outsource it. And and I think at, at some point in the near future, we may have to look at, at finding a, a manufacturer for it. But uh, it's, it's all made in-house, small batch still, but we're totally in control of the quality of it right now. So mm-hmm. that's good. And is that somewhat of the trade-off between outsourcing it, like giving up a little bit of the quality control? Totally. When you outsource, not everyone will be willing to make it the way you make it either so you may have to change formulations so some of the things that i do is very bespoke to my skincare so i hand make rice milk to go in our in our rice milk and honey cleanser and i make oil macerations which have dried berries in that i macerate for days before it goes into the product if i was to outsource some of these uh, formulations i may have to manage my own expectations about what a manufacturer is willing to do for me so the the options are i outsource or i i hire people in-house to, to make it and which is my two options that i'm considering right now sure are you leaning towards any particular way i'd, li- I'd like to keep it all in-house generally i'm a, as you can tell I, I i'm a bit of a control freak because <laughs> i wasn't going to say it but, <laughs> <laughs> but i'd rather outsource something i'd rather outsource something like fulfillment than manufacturing. I've learned to make this. It's a product that I formulated myself. I know it inside out. I know the best ways to make it. I've learned how to scale up batches so I can scale up again if needed. But uh, I'd rather the other peripheral things to outsource rather than making the actual product. Speaking of products, I know you guys offer you know other products, creams and shampoos and things like that. Um, talk to me a little bit about the decision-making process, how you decide which new product you're going to invest in, and then obviously the relearning of having to produce something that is fundamentally different. The kind of ethos, the, the, the kind of the, the brand story 
it was based in this um, Turkish hammam, right? This spa on the premise that the cleansing and exfoliation is the most important parts of skincare. That is my brand story, and all of the products come from that brand story. I I, I sell cleansers and in shower moisturizers and face masks that exfoliate the skin, and that that was how I decided which product to make next. It all had to fit into this brand story, and I haven't really um, gone outside of that yet, but you get customers asking for other things as well, like moisturizers, which I don't sell, hair products, which I don't sell. At some point, I'm going to expand into what's in the beauty uh, industry. It's called a capsule range. It's basically everything a person would need from hair care to skin care to washing to all of that. I will expand the range that way. At the moment, I'm sticking to my core values, which is cleansing and exfoliation. Very cool. I imagine it's a tricky call as to when to incorporate those other ones because it's a whole other product to invest in. Uh, you know, you mentioned fairs and markets. I know you, you know, have a website now. Have you jumped into digital sales and building an online presence? Has that been the next step? Yeah. So that's what I've been concentrating on um, since about April of this year. So um, selling direct to consumer has its challenges so you have to find your audience and then you have to persuade them to buy from you versus the the, the hundreds of other brands out there it's not relatively easy to to start a brand but there's quite a lot of people doing it it's quite a, a crowded market what i've been working on at the moment is trying to tune facebook marketing in order to drive converting traffic to my website so that's taken me three months of finding audiences on facebook testing creative and i'm only just at the moment now where i'm fairly confident i know what the audiences are and how to convert them how to pick me over any other brand i'm not a marketer i haven't got a background in marketing so it's been using my experiences from selling face to face translating that into digital and it's working all right F facebook is amazing once you get the right amount of traffic behind it, the right amount of spend behind it, and the right creative. It's a brilliant platform for selling skincare. That's great, though. I mean, like what you're saying is that you couldn't have just jumped immediately into Facebook marketing. It had to rely on years of talking with the customer, the conversations, learning about who they are and what their needs are to be able to market to them uh, on Facebook, right? Totally. It, it was really helpful looking the customer into the eye and, and, and seeing which parts of the ingredients that they thought was important, what their kind of job to be done was, what they were using the cleanser for. Was it for makeup removal? Was it for just taking the, the dirt off at the end of the day? Learning what the use cases were for the products was incredibly valuable. And also because this is a bootstrap company, um, it's given me a bit of time to to learn a bit more about the industry and, and immerse myself in the kind of the subreddits on skincare, just soaking up how people talk about skincare. It's brought me a, a bit of time. I've learned a lot about how customers use the skincare and it's allowed me to sell it a lot more effectively without wasting a lot of my own money. Yeah. You mentioned starting online sales or strategy uh, in April. Uh, was that related to COVID? And if so, how has COVID affected your guys' business? It wasn't related to COVID. I, I was going to start it in January, but I was waiting for, I, I sent out a load of product to not influencers, but models, actors to try my product uh, and record themselves using it just so I could use it in advertising. Uh, and it took me a while to get that footage back. So I didn't have any creative for the ads. So that was the reason I started in April. It was meant to be earlier than that. But when I did start, it was a very strange time to, to be starting. I did do, do slight pivots to sell at home or, or the way I, I, I positioned my, my brand to start with was at home facials and 
it was amazing. I, I hadn't used Facebook marketing before, but if you listen to any of the podcasts from around that time, the, the cost per clicks were coming down. There's a lot more eyeballs on Facebook. It was to, just from the get-go, it was quite easy to get traffic, targeted traffic, and sell that product to people. So it's it a very strange time to start online sales, but a good time. Yeah. Me. And I've heard that from some other guests as well who saw in-store sales obviously decline, but then a lot of online interest to pop up. This is the How We Solve podcast. We like to hear about problems. I'm sure like any new business, you've come across your fair share. What's one of the bigger problems that you've had to deal with at UXP? The main problem for skincare is there's a switching cost for people. So they get used to the products they use and sometimes they use them for years and years, which is why people get into skincare because it's a product that they're going to buy again and again if you get it right. You have to build up credibility with users and there's lots of ways to do it. User-generated content is, is one of them, which is what the kind of the tactic I'm using on Facebook. But there's loads of other things you can do. So you, you'll see lots of other direct-to-consumer brands using a trialing trials. So yeah, free plus shipping offers. You can see Brickle doing that. Or lots of discovery boxes. Birchbox is one of the first ones. You basically got to get your, your product out there in the hands of as many people as possible in order to build up this credibility. And that, that's the kind of the next stages of credibility. You go to retail, which you borrow their credibility. So if you went to Sephora in the US, it's very hard to get into Sephora. The only way you can get into Sephora is by having loads of press beforehand. So you've got to ladder up your credibility before you get out there. I'm at a stage where I'm getting good reviews on the website. I've got credible looking videos out there. The next stage would be getting lots of press and then maybe some spots on retail either website or, or physical retail just so you can get that credibility there's loads of other tactics but those are the ones i'm going for yeah it's, it's interesting that that you you mentioned that because i didn't think of it but everybody is already using some sort of soap and shampoo basically right we would one would hope yeah. so you know they may not necessarily be committed or loyal to that brand but they already have a solution to some extent and so they have to decide you know it's time to make a change and i think that aha moment for most people it would only come if maybe they came across another product that they thought oh this looks superior and, and you meant so giving away for free or free trial something like that right yeah and there, there is a certain proportion of the the population kind of like i think Smith, seth godin calls them sneezers they're, they're the kind of early adopters of, of things they like to switch up their skincare and try things and then they tell other people but the majority of people are like that that's why you see a lot of product parties so people there's lots of brands that do this it's, it's all almost bordering on multi-level marketing where they have parties and you come around and you buy skincare off your friend that's a kind of another way to buy credibility not one that i'm i'm going to pursue but yeah you've got to find those ways to get your product into people's hands and persuade them it's gonna it's gonna make a difference to them yeah so what's next for usb skincare PR is the, is the next stage. So I've just started um, sending out press releases now. What I'm hoping to get from the press is a little bit of the industry noticing UXB, not necessarily maybe the customers as well, but the industry in order to open a few more doors. So wholesaling, maybe. Press is crucial to beauty. There is influencers, which they can be considered press. There's lots of beauty influencers who have content channels on youtube or blogs who make and break brands there's brands that you've never heard of one day and then the next day someone like caroline hirons would have mentioned 
and she's a big UK beauty influencer and it's sold out the next day. So it's getting in front of those people is the can make and break brand. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, sort of the influencer marketing approach. It's been awesome to hear, uh, Simon, all about uh, soap industry, not just soap industry, but beauty and, and wellness and healthcare uh, industry, which I, I obviously uh, need to learn more about, but this has been a great introduction. For our listeners who want to learn more about you and your product, where should they go? Our website is uxbskincare.com and our Instagram is uxbskincare. And uh, it'd be great to hook up. My, my email address is simon at uxbskincare and I'm also on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks so much for for being with us today, Simon. Cheers, Dave. Thanks for having me. Seeing your competitor outrank you on the first page of Google sucks, especially knowing that 92% of all traffic goes to results on the first page. Getting quality backlinks for your website is hard. Not with shortlist.io. We build highly relevant, contextual, and most importantly, clean backlinks for your business to help you crush the competition. Ready to start? Get shortlisted on search engines now and visit shortlist.io. That's S-H-O-R-T-L-I-S-T dot I-O. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.